Welcome to the Broken Patch Art Podcast, episode number 46. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today we'll be asking the question, is it easier to build wealth? Is it easier to get into those top percentiles? You know, you hear about the top 1% or the top 5%. Is it easier than you think? And this week's episode is really taken from a talk I gave uh, to a group of undergraduate students. And before you say, wait a second, I'm not an undergraduate student, here's the thing. One of the messages to them was, of course, starting early and consistently, it's easier to build wealth than you think. But even if you're not an undergrad college student, if you're older than that, uh, there's still opportunity to build wealth, uh, to increase your net worth, and to actually get into the upper percentiles. And some of it's just math. And it's about protecting assets. It's about growing the, the assets. It's about contributing when you can. And surprisingly, you know, a lot of people look at some of the, the numbers and say, well, I don't even know where I, I fit. And by fit, I mean, hey, here's my net worth. Where does that put me in relation to, to other people and as far as my purchasing power, both in the United States and around the world? And you might be surprised that it doesn't take as much to get into the upper percentiles as you would think, especially if you're getting some sort of return and you've been consistent with investing. And so uh, today we'll kind of cover some of that and I'll show you, uh, I'll talk you through an easy way in Excel. You can actually figure out, hey, if I want to get to this amount in this many years and I assume some sort of a compounded annual growth rate, what would I have to contribute every year or every month along with getting that uh, that growth rate to get the number that I'm looking for. So first of all, I'm going to throw out a couple numbers for you, uh, both in the United States and about and around the world, and give you some examples of where what the average or what the median is on people's savings right now in the U.S. And then also we'll kind of look at what it would take dollar-wise to be in different percentiles. Now, it's worth a discussion there's a difference between the mean and the median. And you're probably saying, wow, I haven't heard that since stats class in college or high school. But it's worth repeating that, you know, the mean is just a simple arithmetic average. You add up all the amounts for a total and you divide it by that number. The median, when you see things quoted in median numbers or or the median amount, uh, basically it throws out outliers. So, you know, things that would otherwise skew the average. And a good way to explain this is, let's say we had 10 people in a room and nine of the people had a net worth of $10,000 and the 10th person had a net worth of a million dollars. Well, if you added up all those amounts and you divided by 10, the simple average, aka the mean, would be 109,000. The median throws out, you know, the top and, and bottom outliers, so to speak, and the median is 10,000. Okay, so what the doing the median helps out is let's say you know you've got uh, a thousand uh, different individuals all with investments, and then there you know the nine hundred and ninety nine people are sort of normal folks, uh, middle income folks, and then you got Bill Gates in the room. Well, the average is going to be skewed, so the median helps to to smooth that over. So. Just taking a look, and I pulled some some data from the Economic Policy Institute, and I took a look and said, okay, what is the the mean, just the average for retirement savings? And they designate retirement savings 
Uh, savings include 401ks, IRAs, Keo plans, things like that. And I think this data is a little bit old. I mean, it's probably, oh, four or five years uh, old, but um, it, oh, it's actually more than that. This is 2013. Uh, but I, I still think it's, it's valuable to look at this. And in the way they broke this down is they said the average, so the average includes people like Bill Gates, uh, the average retirement savings for groups uh, ages 56 to 61 was about 163,500. 50 to 55 was 124,000. 44 to 49 was, uh, let's see what that one was. That was about 80, or uh, about 95,000 and change. So you can kind of see that that's the average. Now, when we throw out the outliers, the median paints a little bit of a different picture. Unfortunately, the median for the groups 56 to 61, and those would be folks right before retirement, uh, that median, the retirement savings is only 17,000. For the group 50 to 55, it was only 8,000. So this is kind of paints a little bit of a, a bleak picture with regards to you know what the median, what the averages are for retirement savings. And, and by the way, um, when we get into things like net worth, net worth is something you can do really easily. Your net worth is simply adding up all your assets and subtracting all your liabilities. And you might have a stock portfolio, you might have equity in your house. Um, and you know, you've got to kind of be careful with this. Let's say you have a, a beanie baby collection, you value those at $500 or whatever they, I really have no idea what beanie babies are worth, but let's say you do that. Um, that's, that's not a, you know, there, there are liabilities that can, are assets that can quickly be converted into cash, like stocks and bonds and things like that. Uh, a house, of course, you'd have to put on the market and you'd have to, to list that. So who knows if you get exactly what, you know, Zillow says for your house or not. But if you're looking at things like rare stamps and paintings and beanie babies and baseball cards, uh, you, you really aren't sure what you'd be able to to sell those for and to acquire. And so you've got to be a little careful with things like that. But you take a look at your assets minus your liabilities. Your liabilities are everything from, you know, um, long-term debts like a mortgage uh, to school loans to credit cards, car payments, things like that. Okay. And you come up with your net worth. And if we look at the median net worth, and this is for families ages eight, uh, 82, 32 to 61, and this is in 2013 dollars. Uh, so this would include things like, you know, a house and assets like that and investments. Uh, the median net worth was only around, uh, call it about 180,000. So that's sort of, um, that probably might be surprising to a lot of people. Um, surprising, like not in a good way, uh, because you think about at some point you want to retire or maybe you're in retirement and a lot of times you need to draw down those assets. And we've heard the rule of 4% and what that means is let's say you have a million dollars you might be able to withdraw 4% or in this example, $40,000 uh, in year one and still you know, have the money last because you're getting a, a return on that as well. So this also goes to, hey, what would my income be on those assets? And unfortunately, uh, there was another thing. Uh, this is by Go Banking Rates. I have no idea who they are, but I'm sure they're a good group. 
I did a Google search and they claim about 42% of Americans will actually retire broke. Um, so let's kind of get into also just, and I found this curious, a lot of people, you know, you hear in the news, the top 1% and, and all that. And I found it interesting. I pulled up a Federal Reserve uh, study and it was uh, 2017 data. So, you know, we're about a year and a half uh, from that, I guess close to two years now from that. And I found it interesting to see, hey, what would you need in net worth, remember your, your assets minus your liabilities, to get into some of these different percentiles? And the top 1%, and by the top 1%, you, you say, okay, that means uh, this person would have more net worth than 99% of the, uh, the people in the U.S. It took about 10.3 million. Okay, so that's, uh, that's interesting news, right? But here's where you get, um, and I made mention of this, it actually doesn't take as much as you think to get into these top percentiles. And in fact, if you want to be in the top 5%, so have more than 95% of the, the rest of the people in the, in the U.S., it's 2.3 million. Being the top 10%, it's 1.1 million. Top 15%, 738,000. And the top 20% was right around 500,000. By the way, top 25% was about $370,000. So I found that interesting because uh, as I'm going to talk about in a little bit, the idea of how do you get to that, what type of savings do you have to do over what time, and it's easier than you think, especially, obviously, if you start early. But even if you need to get somewhere over a 20-year period, probably, you know, between a, a 401k, maybe you get a match, uh, those types of things, or just you, you can, you know, continue to contribute money to an investment account, you might be surprised. So one of the things, I'll share this with all of you, and and I did a, uh, uh, you know, maybe you're, you're not... You're not 21 anymore, but you know people who are, or you can have influence over someone who is who is younger. And one of the things that's possible is, uh, I actually ran some numbers recently, and I said, "Hey, what if somebody started making $15 an hour?" And by the way, that's about 31,200 a year. Uh, if you want to know the fancy math I did, it's 2,080 hours times your hourly rate is how you contribute the hourly to a. A yearly, assuming they work, you know, 40 hours a week. And let's say they only got about two and a half percent of a salary increase each and every year. And inflation was two and a half percent annually. How the heck are we going to know what inflation is over the next, you know, uh, 40 years or so? But, you know, we'll, we'll use the historical. And then we kind of used a 7% as the compounded annual growth rate up to retirement age, let's say, of 65. Now, it's worth noting that from 1923 to 2017, the simple average annual growth rate for the S&P 500 was about 11.9%. Compounded growth rates, you know, that uh, accounts for uh, when the market goes down, when the market goes up, and assuming you make no contributions, the compounded annual growth rate is actually what an investor would realize. And so 7% was probably a little bit lower than the historical, but it's, uh, you know, you have to use something. And, and by the way, assumptions are not certainties. These are estimates only, and who knows what the market's going to do. So, and then uh, kind of said, hey, you know, um, at, at retirement, so from 21 to, to 65, if you put 
of a salary. Remember, the starting salary was thirty-two thousand one hundred, and you got you know two and a half percent raise every year. I think that means right before retirement, maybe they would be at you know ninety-nine thousand or hundred thousand. And it was just interesting the, the power of compounding, the power of, of contributing and, and earning a return over many years. Uh, starting at you know fifteen dollars an hour and only getting two and a half percent raise every year at retirement. Uh, the numbers, and it's simple math, it's compounding, and you make some assumptions. Assumptions aren't certainties, but it, you know, it says about 1.8, 1.9 million. And remember what I just told you, uh, you know, where the the percentiles are. 1.9 million would be, you know, I don't, I don't have a breakdown between the five and the 10th top percent, but it would be somewhere in between there. Of course, the dollar today is going to lose purchasing power due to inflation. So maybe that 1.8 uh, to be equal in you know forty years has to be three point six. Who knows? But I found that kind of interesting. And in a little bit, I'll show you. Probably saying, "Wait a second, I'm not twenty one. Uh, I'll show you some numbers, and I'll talk about that as well." You know, the other interesting thing is that uh, those are U.S. numbers, uh, but Credit Suisse runs a an annual global wealth report, and I'll link to it in the show notes. It's pretty extensive. And among other things, what they do is uh, they estimate uh, based upon, you know, I don't, I don't know how they pull this data. It's really comprehensive, though. They say, you know, how many adults are millionaires in, in various countries? And about a little over 17 million adults in 2018, according to Credit Suisse, their annual global wealth report, uh, have a million dollars or more. And France has about 2.1 million, Germany has 2.1, United Kingdom 2.4, Japan 2.8. And, and you might say, wait a second, isn't that yen in Japan? Well, they converted to U.S. dollars, so it's 1 million U.S. dollars. So I found that kind of interesting. And you, know, you think about there's what, like 330 million people in the U.S.? Uh, I don't know how many are adults, uh, but that's uh, you know, a relatively small percentage. So the other thing that I thought was fascinating was you think, okay, we talked about how to get into the top uh, 1% or 5% or 10%. And one of the things that they do is they create what's called a, a global wealth pyramid. And uh, if, you, if you go to this, uh, this report that I'll link to, I think it's actually on page 20 or something like that. It, it's, it's quite an extensive report. And what they do is they look at uh, the entire wealth pyramid from less affluent groups at the bottom to the wealthiest individuals at the top. And they estimate there's about 3.2 billion adults uh, with a wealth below 10,000 US dollars. And that actually accounts for about 64% of the world's adults uh, have a net worth less than 10,000 US dollars. And if you kind of look at this pyramid, uh, to be in the top 0.8%, so less than 1%, you would have to have greater than $1 million US, US dollars, right? So if you live in France, you'd have to convert your euros to US dollars to have a million US dollars, right? So to be in the top 0.8%, you need about a million dollars. To be in uh, greater than, so from 100,000 US uh, dollars to a million, that segment only represents about 8.7% of the world's adult population, according to Credit Suisse. And so if I do my numbers right, 
Um, to be in the top 9.5% in the world, you'd have to have above $100,000. And so, you know, obviously some of you are probably saying, well, wait a second, if I lived in a shack in Costa Rica, I would need much less money. And that's, of course, true. Your purchasing power varies between, uh, but it just takes a look at that. And the Global Wealth Report, I take a look, it's 60 pages long, but I'll link to it and it's uh, it's pretty fascinating. So I started off the, the podcast this episode by talking about, hey, it might be easier than you think to get into the, the higher reaches. Remember we talked about the median net worth for groups in the 56 to 61 year old age was only about 180,000. So one of the things I did was, of course, I talked about you know, if, if you have 30 years, uh, let's say you wanted to have a million dollars and you're going to make some assumptions here and you're going to say, I have 30 years, I have nothing right now. And if I assume I can get 7% compounded annual growth rate, and that's an assumption, it's not a, it's not a certainty. Uh, I have nothing right now. What would I have to put away each and every year if I get this 7%? to have a million dollars. Well, surprisingly, it's only $882 a month or $10,500 a year. And you might say, wait a second, I don't know if I have that. But remember, many of you probably have a 401k or some sort of retirement plan and you may get a match. So whatever $10,500 is, uh, maybe that's that's doable. Um, But that's what's starting with nothing. And then I ran the numbers. I said, look, what about somebody who's, you know, about 20 years from, from retirement? And I ran some of these numbers and I said, okay, if you had no money, no assets whatsoever, and by the way, the way I'm doing this in Excel, you can use what's called the payment function. And the payment function is used in various, uh, various ways. But if you click into a, a cell in Excel, click into a cell in Excel, there you go. You use the equal sign and you type in PMT for the payment function. And then it's going to ask you for the rate. So that's your your assumed rate of return. It's going to, the number of periods. So you can put in, um, you know, 20 years or um, you can change it to be monthly, but I just did it in years. You say how much your present value is. And then for your future value, you put what you want it to grow to. And by the way, if you do this and it comes up with some red uh, numbers or asterisks or things like that. It's saying that you would, based upon what you have now and what your return is, you would actually exceed that number. So then you need to increase, uh, decrease your, um, I'm sorry, increase your, your final value, but you can use this. And so I ran the numbers and I took a look and I said, okay, if you had no money and you needed a million dollars in 20 years, you assume that 7%, what would you have to contribute every year? And then again, it assumes you compound uh, on those contributions 7% annually. You'd need to put about 24300 or 2000 a month. Okay. So if you have 25000 it goes down to $22,000 a year for the next 20 years. And here's where it sort of starts to get a little bit interesting. So if you have 50000 already, you need about 19600 a year or 1600 a month. If you have $100,000 and you assume 7%, uh, then it goes down to around 1200 a month or 14900 
And so I'll just give you these. Uh, I did it to 100. If you have 150,000, if you have 200,000, or if you have 500,000 right now, and you know, 150,000, assuming 7% compounded growth rate, getting to a million is about 852 a month. 200,000, 459 a month, and 500,000, only $132 a month. So, you know, that's uh, depending upon where you are with your net worth, your investments right now. This is where I go back to, you know, to get um, to increase the net worth or to to get to a number, it takes a couple things. Number one is obviously you need some sort of rate of return, and the higher the return, the uh, you know the more money that you'll have. Uh, number two is, and, and I'm an advocate of using strategies which have embedded floors or buffers in them, so buffered growth where you've got a buffer against the downside or a or a defined floor, because if you have a, another year like 2008. Remember, you lose 50%, you need 100% to get back to break even. So uh, the third thing is it takes some consistency. And if you are someone who who can set up and automatically have money either through a 401k or through, you know, you're just taking money every month, putting it into something, it can add up, it can compound, it can become pretty powerful uh, weapon or assets, uh, you know, benefit for yourself. So, um, and then... You know, the other thing I, I took a look at, I said, well, you know, what is, what is it, uh, you know, let's say that you, you're kind of like, oh, wait a second. You know, I don't have, uh, I, I have more years. I, I have more than 20 years. Um, just to kind of show you another number, if you have 30 years and you have nothing, uh, $882 a month compounded at 7%. Uh, if you contribute that much, the numbers say, uh, you know, you get to a million. So I'd encourage you to do a couple things. Number one is figure out what your net worth is. Number two is if you have access to Excel, it's pretty easy to use this payment function equals PMT, and you can put in some numbers. One of the things, so the future value. So, you know, if you want to get to a million, you have to put a negative sign in front of that in Excel for it to work. Um, that will sort of make sense, I think. Um, but if you're using that, it will it will do it automatically for you. And the other thing is, obviously, if if you have assets now, uh, you should start to be thinking about how do I protect those, still get growth, but have buffers and hedges on them. And uh, if anybody wants to talk more about that, feel free to contact me. All right. So hopefully this was interesting. Uh, it was to me uh, because sometimes you think about these different percentiles and they may be very difficult or you might think that they're very difficult to achieve. Or you need to have a ton of money to get towards the, the higher end. And surprisingly, it's actually reachable for many people. It just takes, it takes some discipline and it takes, uh, you know, getting a return. So uh, hopefully this was instructive. Um, by the way, go ahead and share this podcast with somebody that you know. Uh, I always say rather than rate and review and, you know, you can rate it and review it. I'd love to have a, a five-star review, of course, but... I'd be better off if uh, if you would share with somebody who you think can use this. And by the way, if you know someone who is younger, by all means, share this with them because they have an advantage that many people don't, and it's their age. They have so many years uh, until retirement. And so it doesn't take as much for them to get into these upper reaches. Uh, but go ahead and share that with somebody. Also, uh, go to my website, RazorWealth.com. And if you have a suggestion, I've gotten some great suggestions for episodes. Uh, but if you have a suggestion for an episode... Uh, go ahead and uh, hit me up there. And we'll talk to everyone next week. 